Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. For two seasons in a row, Jack Sinclair has been a staple of our defensive lines across Supercoach, Dream Team and AFL Fantasy. Will it be three times lucky? Or will a crowd of defenders or some other Saints players start to come in and take the crown that he has built for us over this past couple of years? We're going to unpack Jack Sinclair. He's next up on today's episode of the 50 Most Relevant. You with MJ, I trust you are enjoying this series and I hope you are doing well. We're pretty much on that halfway marker now of the 50 Most Relevant. Joining me on this episode as he has pretty much since the coaches panel ever began doing podcasts, articles, videos, and the like. It's fellow co-founder, Ritz, talking about a really fascinating St. Kilda defender, mate. Yeah, what a ripper this guy is, and what a conundrum he's going to prove for us this year. I think the more you dive into Jack, the more you can kind of come out of it a little bit paralyzed. If we look just for a moment at his overarching data for 2023, we'll see a couple of key elements. That seasonal average of 106.7 in Supercoach comes from 15 tons and a season and career high score. It's a 160. He did that career high score up against a pretty impressive unit, GWS, just as they were starting to get on that run. Uh, he's set back at what? Three, four, five thousand dollars skinny of that six hundred thousand dollar mark. While in AFL fantasy and dream team, a seasonal average of 102.2 means he's got 14 tons, a season high score of 146, a career high of 146. He's just short of nine hundred and fifty thousand dollars in dream team. While in AFL fantasy, he is going to set you back just a touch on at nine hundred and twenty-two thousand. Rids, as we said right at the top of this episode, for two years now, Jack has been one of these guys that at the back end of his career has really gone out of fantasy football irrelevance and was at best a waiver wire pickup on draft day or a very speculative throw the dart in your daily fantasies. Whereas now over the past two years, he's put consistent scoring, regular hundreds, a more than respectable basement. And now as we enter into this third season, We've got a big decision to make. Why? He's a clear dominant player in the St. Kilda side, whether he's through the halfback, the midfield, the wing. They love the ball in his hand. He just surges past with great speed, uses the ball with relatively good precision, and his St. Kilda's teammates just love to get him involved in the football to break open their rebound and their inside forward 50 movements. We'll talk a bit more depth about his fantasy stuff in a moment, but... When you see that mullet flowing off halfback and through the wings of Marvel Stadium, unless you don't own him, gosh, he's fun to watch. He's very, very fun to watch and own. Yeah. That's that's the main part, yeah. And the thing is, he's the way that he's his importance to St. Kilda is just through the roof. It's got to the stage though where he's so important. He has multiple roles at any point in time through games. Because he's just good at everything. I just love watching him. I love owning him. There's nothing better when you see that second half runs when everyone's starting to slow down. And because he's at home, at under the roof, he mm. seems to just pick up another level every single time. This last two years particularly, 
But yep. it just seems like he comes home like a steam train. Well, he's got 24 tons in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team over the past two years. And he's got, I think it's like 34 in Supercoach over the previous two years, consistently hitting that 120 marker and rarely dropping under 80, which is important for us, especially if we're outlaying the type of cash that we would need to consider him as a starting spot option. Pre-buy and post-buy splits, it's an interesting thing. If you want to start to look at the trends over the past couple of years, he definitely gets better as the season goes on. And whether it's the causation, as Rids has mentioned, that he's playing at Marvel Stadium and no wet weather footy so much, or just getting confidence and continuity in his team, ultimately, there's a few layers and, and threads to pull back. But last year in AFL Fantasy, third by average for all defenders, number one scorer by total points. Super coach, third for total points, fifth for average. He's coming in off the back of being second overall in AFL Fantasy for points and averages in 2022. And again, the top defender for overall points and averages of 2022 in Super coach. So two years now, Rids dominant scorer, high ceiling, fun to watch. And I think that's where the community is starting to really get interested is we start to look at this defensive line. We have had Day, Doherty, Dawson move out. So it's not like we've lacked some important options for us. And we're looking for a level of security. I'll ask you in a moment whether or not that's still something he has. But historically, and just looking at the data alone, it's giving people a lot of confidence to go, don't love this defender. I don't love this. I'll anchor myself to Sinclair because I've got two years of consistent scoring. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. So let's look at the positives, yeah? He doesn't have an early buy. That's the first thing. So straight Plays away, you go, you go, and, he, and we'll talk about the middle buy a bit later sure. as well, okay? But he doesn't have an early buy. If you don't like Dacos at this point in time, because he's got the early buy, then it's an automatic feeling from people, okay, I'll just go to Sinclair then and grab Sinclair, okay? But again, as we're going to discuss at some point through the course, is there any value there? Is there upside? Is there now with the emergence of Windhager, with Dow being recruited to the club, maybe with a Zach Jones being fit, does that mean he does isn't required on the inside in the mid-rotations anymore? Because there was times last year he did have a heavy, heavy influence through games. Like we're talking 60%, 68% in round 15. Mm. We're talking there's a lot of CBAs there. But it's really hard. And then when the um, finals came around, he actually had 62%. So it was really Mr. Fix-It at points as well in regards to that. If someone wasn't available, um, he was there to give him that spread from the contest, from the stoppage. Um, and that's something that they lacked. Steel was on one leg, as we know. Mm. You know, Brad Crouch isn't the most dynamic 
player with his speed and his burst from contest. So they needed that extra level. Question marks, though. Windhager, who's looking the fittest I've ever seen him. He's a kid coming into the system. He just screams to me, hey, I'm ready, you know? Okay, that's great. What about Dow? Dow was actually recruited because of that burst from stoppage, because Mm. of the ability to spread, to give another um, tool that the other guys in there don't really have. And that could potentially be a good thing or bad thing for Sinclair because if he stays behind the ball, just as long as St Kilda can maintain that level of team scoring, and they were number one in the comp, by a long way. By a long way. By a long way. It's ridiculous how far the gap was. We're talking 1654 to 1584. So 70 points a game, mate, to the second highest scoring team, which was the Blues. It is ridiculous, okay, the gap. So is that sustainable? Don't know. But it could be if Ross doesn't change the structure and they sit behind the ball like they were last year. But guess what? That means if Sinclair is also behind the ball, that means there's more opportunity for him to get more ball. Um, so there's a lot of variables to this, yeah? <laughs> so All of these little things feel like they impact each other. We talked yesterday with Hef around Naziah Wanganin Miller, who, again, whether you want to try to correlate the where Sinclair was and Naziah's scoring, where it popped, where it didn't, in wins and losses, in certain fixtures and matchups, there's all these intricate nuances. And then there's those players that you mentioned. Dow has been recruited to add speed and clearance winning. Zach Jones is fit-ish. Yeah, fit-ish. That's the perfect word. Um, But he adds speed and spread from stoppage and some clearance work. So does Sinclair slide to the wing? I know Hunter Clark is forever injured and they love his skill set on the outside. Um, Callum Wilkie is more of an interceptor, but a reasonable user of the ball. They went at the draft show and maker who is just a booming left penetrating kick as well as really, really long kick. So what this team looks like structurally, Sinclair's in no danger of falling out of that team. Don't hear that. But rather, it does get interesting for me because I think this Mr. Fix-It term is right because when you look at where he scores his points and in matchups, there's no correlation to be when he has high CBAs, he always scores better. Or when he has no CBAs, he always scores better. And I know sometimes you might look at that and go, that's fantastic. It doesn't matter where he goes, he scores. I get a little concerned that that Mr. Fix-It role will happen and mid-game that could really hurt, like round 15 that you alluded to. They were missing a bunch of their midfield regulars, goes at 68% CBAs, doesn't have a kick in, and goes 130-plus across the formats. A couple of weeks later against the Gold Coast Suns, has a handful of kick-ins, 45 CBAs, and a low ton across the formats. Round 23 against Geelong zero CBAs and has three kick-ins and goes 130 across the formats. And I think there's even a game where he has 10 kick-ins. Yeah, that last game, Against Brisbane. And they're all played on. So I know that can look really optimistic and positive, and that's certainly a way to interpret the stats. But I look at that with a little bit of concern that is, I don't know whether I'm going to have him on the wing, whether I'm going to have him off half-back, whether he's going to play centre-bounce. Does he come and 
become a high half forward with with the gap of a Jade Gresham and his skill set. They want to use it to bring the ball inside 50 because no disrespect to Dow, Crouch or Still, They're not dynamic and reliable users of the ball by foot. So for me, that's the concern I have about Sinclair is he's so good everywhere. Does that impact his fantasy output for us this year? And just think about that round 24 game as well. He had 10 kick-ins that he played on for 100% of kick-ins, okay? That's 30 points. He only scored 100 points in that game, mate. Yeah. So that's 30% of his score in that game. And you're right with what you said about the CBAs. You heard? There's no direct correlation. We see that game in round 10 against GWS where he scored 140. Yep. The CBAs, though, were not there in that game. So there's no real understanding. There's no no real trends coming from this. He is Mr. Fix-It. And the thing is, though, that's absolutely clear to me, and I don't want to downplay it, they want the ball in his hand. No matter where he is, whatever role he's playing, they look for him. And I don't know whether it's the mullet Factor because you always notice it if you own him and you're watching the Saints play, you know when he's got it. Yeah, yeah, it's just it just never finishes bad, <laughs> you know what I mean? There's always good decisions. You never go, Oh no, Sinclair's bullshit it again. That just doesn't happen. He's a smart, smart footballer, he makes the right decision pretty much the majority of the time and he's just so silky to do it it's just amazing yeah it's just lovely to watch but i'm with you mate i'm really i don't get it i i don't see where he can prove because he's everywhere now so if he sits behind the ball maybe there's a bit of consistency in the role maybe there's a bit more yeah, less reliance on him to go in and be Mr. Fixer to a point. But does that mean, as you just beautifully highlighted, does that mean he gets to be the deliverer into 50? Does that mean that's where they start looking for him, to release him, to set up the scoring thrusts? I I just don't know how this works, mate. It's just that unknown that we were talking about. One thing is very clear, though, mate. Mm. This guy is a... Hundred machine. Oh, I mean, when he goes on runs, they're incredible. What was it? Eleven out of his last fourteen games from round ten last year were hundreds. I know there was a large percentage played at Eddie had on the way home. I think there was seven out of the last nine or ten was played at home. But again, that's impressive, mate. That it's that percentage incredible. of well, turning... ten out of fourteen in Supercoach as well in both those final fourteen games. Just, it, you, you don't get more than two weeks in a row where he's not giving you a ton, ever. And the other thing is, whether you like the term observable thirst or not, this guy actually has it. He yeah. will run past and he wants the ball in his hands. And not only does he want it, his teammates want him to have it. So <laughs> they're actually going out of their way to get the ball in his hands. And I think there's a couple of last minute things that I want to unpack with you before we do look at where he goes on draft day, because you might hear a little bit of hesitancy and concern, but I want you to hear the optimism that you just heard from Rids in that moment. Where is the 
excitement and intrigue from the fantasy community? Is it because he's going to elevate his scoring to the next level? Okay, well, the fixture's okay early. It's it's not a dynamite knockout run of five or six consecutive weeks. It's two really good weeks and not a great week. Then a okay week, then a couple of nice weeks. And again, this is 2023 data. The season will evolve and change and we'll get new data trends as the year goes on. But I think the thing that's got people most interested to lean into Sinclair is what you mentioned earlier. He gives you a level of continuity in the front half of the season where there isn't a lot of continuity. We got multiple early teams missing in the first six rounds with those multiple bye weeks. Then we've got rounds 12, 13, and 14, where also multiple teams missing. St. Kilda and Jack Steele running all the way through that. So I think that's where one of the bits of optimism for the community is, is they go two years of 100 plus, got as good a ceiling, like 140 plus in AF, 160 in Supercoach, goes on these consistent runs. Yep you know what, I'm not loving parts of my defensive premium line. I don't love this early buy. I just want an anchor. So MJ, I've just seen a unicorn. I've just heard you made a slip up with the slip of the tongue. You just said Jack Steele, not Jack Sinclair. I'm sure you were meaning Jack Sinclair. I probably was. Yeah. But anyway, so I just wanted to highlight not everyone's perfect, MJ. That's a unicorn moment because I've never seen you do that for at least four or five years. Okay. So I just want to call that out. But let's go back to the real nitty gritty of Please. this. Okay. Round 15. Let's talk yeah. round 15. Mate. Yeah. I wanted to ask you. About now, that I know one. that someone highlighted when we did the short one, you know, on Twitter the other day. Hey, guys, you haven't. Yeah, we know that, but we wanted to focus on market share. Correct. We wanted let's to have that 30 second conversation around. But let's have that conversation. The round 15 defensive premiums. Okay, let's. I'm going to give you some teams okay. Collingwood, Hawthorne, then Kilda, Richmond. There's a common trend here, isn't there? There's a lot of premium backs already, mate. Yeah, so I know we're all focused on the early buys. I know we're trying to mitigate those and trying to get through those. Just don't neglect those round 15 buys, okay, especially when it comes to premium defenders. Don't avoid the pain early to just backload it. Uh, yes, you'll have more players potentially available, but you might not be getting many options through your back line. So okay, if you're looking at a Sinclair because of Dacos and you're worried about the early buy, does that hamper your ability to trade, trade into day costs True. after that round 16, six buy or whatever it was, round five buy or six buy? Does that hamper it? Well, and does that not... stop you from looking at, let's just be really cheeky here, a Carl Amon who's been touted, and I know he's a popular mid-pricer at the moment, he's been touted for a defensive role, which is where mm -hmm. he finished last year. Yeah, does that hamper you to get a nice money-making slash premiums defender punt into our team as well. Does that hamper you to look at a Wanganine Malira? Yep. Does it hamper you on Jaden Short? Like, what happens in the Adelaide Crows, mate? What happens Does if Dawson a Laird or a Dawson yeah. go back Absolutely. and they get defensive status if a Crouch is 
best 22 the, the start of the year. Yeah. Is there a world that that happens? It's unlikely. I agree. But there is a world that it could happen because really, like, I mean, if Crouch is going to be in there, then someone's going to have to be pushed out at some stage. And they might, if it's served for purpose and someone like a, let's just say hypothetically a Rory Laird, for instance, has that they feel like, hey, we don't lose anything. We actually gain that he's a cross halfback then okay but that's the sort of challenges you may have for round 15 okay i think that's really helpful really i think the the conversation around sinclair as a starting squad or an upgrade target for me i don't actually think it's about jack we alluded to this a little bit on yesterday's episode with hef around naziah wangani millera but i feel like it's even more prevalent when it comes to nick dacos Um, and that is if he is in your team your defensive structure looks radically different to those that are going against Nick Dacos. And it's predominantly for early tag and buy reasons. Those are the two main reasons people aren't starting with a Nick Dacos. If you are going with Nick in your starting squad, it's unlikely you're going Sinclair as well, not just from a balance of your team, but from a financial structural perspective is you're starting those value range defenders. We've already talked about a couple of them. Um, There may be a couple more that coming in the 50 most relevant. Hayden Young is a very, very popular option that will appear in the 50 most relevant. The question is how high, not will he appear in the 50 most relevant. So all of a sudden, that cascades down to your structure. That cascades down to who you can pick. And, and as Rids talked about, that round 15 buy, it, don't just think, oh, it's the back. It won't be a problem. No, you, you could be backloading the pain. So to me, I feel like Sinclair is more viable for those that have faded Dacos right now than it is for those that have decided I'm on Dacos. Do you see it as simple as that? Yeah, I do. I think that's 100%. But then how are you going to get Dacos? Because it's okay to that. Yep. Yeah, exactly. If you fade day costs, you're still going to have to manage that, yeah, as you move forward. You're still going to have to go, okay, I still want day costs. I personally, I think day costs is quite some distance ahead of the second best defender at the moment. In all formats. I agree with that. That's yeah. a, It doesn't matter what format. It's just the way of the land. Day costs is a freak. Just move on. You're going to want him in your team at some point. You know what? If you're starting a Sinclair because you faded a Jack, um, a Dacos, okay, at the start, you still have how do I get Dacos? When do I get Dacos? Do I have to wait till after the buy to bring in Dacos? Because that's going to be an uncomfortable period of time to watch. You know, the better half, what what is it? Just over half a round, um, half a season of football. Mm. Not owing Nick Dacos, who can take your season away from you pretty quickly. He can do it in six rounds, as we saw last year. And so it's not just about round 15 and round 16 when you bring him in. It's if you can't get him till as early as round six, how many of those first four rounds, what's the pain level been like for you? And if it's been high, his price point hasn't dropped and you've probably not generated the cash to get him. If it's been low, fantastic. That's great for you. But boy, oh boy, what Dacos is and how it impacts Sinclair, I think you're right. They are absolutely intrinsically linked. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Draft day is interesting and draft day is different um, because it's not just the salary cap and the management. It's about players' consistency and scoring and opportunity through there. And for two years now, he's been a D1 in our side and certainly last year was drafted as such and will be again heading on to draft day in 2024. I guess the question is, Rids, Dacos is the first defender off the board. Is Sinclair pretty much guaranteed to be second off draft boards to you or does it depend a bit on format about whether he's the second third fourth or fifth off the board i think it's format driven but i would be very surprised if sinclair isn't at least considered as the second defender off the board In i all think formats yeah, I do, because like I know that Stuart's very good in Supercoach, so there is a conversation, discussion around that, but I still think Sinclair's in that question, that discussion, okay, because the way that he plays, the way if he's sitting behind the ball, especially in Supercoach, he's probably going to be better at scoring. So, again, that's just my gut feel of it because of the way that St Kilda hold the ball behind like behind the actual um behind the actual play right here yes. they really do control the game from behind if that makes sense like yeah, they sit deeper in their back line they control the way the ball's moved they control the way that the ball speed is coming out of the fence and it really does We've seen enough of it last year with Ross Lyon, okay? That Sinclair is changing either. No, I don't think it's going to change drastically, but I think they'll tinker with it a little bit. But I still think a large percentage of when they're coming out of defence goes through Sinclair. I, I totally agree with that. So Jack Sinclair, there's a world where this guy that's been a top-line defensive premium for the past two seasons just continues on in the realm and the range of what he is. He's got a relatively favourable fixture early. It's not dynamite, but it's favourable. And he does offer a stretch of scoring avenues that wherever he plays, he's shown he can score. However... If you're not sure about your defensive line, if you're bullish on a Nick Dacos, if you're a little bit concerned about how this defensive unit lines up and what that means for where you've structured and how St Kilda's midfield mix might compound and change the variables around Sinclair, then he becomes more of an upgrade target. But I think at some point in the year, Jack Sinclair, at the very least, you're watching, you're observing, and all it can take is an injury. All it can change is a dynamic, not just in the St Kilda team, but in our structures around us. And all of a sudden, Sinclair is someone really, really quickly you want to have sitting in your defensive line. Hey, Rids, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you, as it always is, mate, talking about Jack Sinclair. I think one of the other things that Vams and I will discuss at some point, it'll be more AF, Mm. is the ownership relationship with risks around... How do we mitigate that? When do we know when to take it on? When do we know 
when you just accept, you just go with it. And we'll talk about that in the next, I think we've got something scheduled in the next few period of time. Yeah, it's just a couple of days away, this strategy episode. So we've got Vams and Rids, who you've got to meet Vams this preseason through a couple of episodes of the 50 and you know and love Rids, taking about some of the strategic lessons from 2023 and not just reflecting back, but then being able to lock and apply those into 2024. Uh, And with Dream Team and Supercoach now having 40 trades, there are even greater parallels, even if the scoring isn't the same. With a greater frequency of trades, there are some of the strategic stuff that AFL fantasy community can bring into Supercoach and Supercoach community can learn from the AFL fantasy coaches that have played this high trade volume over the last couple of years. So looking forward to that podcast. That's not too far away. And speaking of podcasts, if you're loving these podcasts of the 50 most relevant, make sure you're subscribed to whatever channel you choose to get your podcast from. Make sure you have given a nice five-star rating and review and you've shared this podcast series with your mates whether it be a league or a couple of people at work or wherever it is that play fantasy footy let them know about these great daily episodes that are coming right throughout the preseason there's corresponding articles that sit alongside coachespanel.tv with all of these players you can go and read them while you're there it's also got the links for getting into the official coaches panel open leagues across Supercoach, dream team and afl fantasy so you can go and check that out and if you're watching this on youtube YouTube. I want to know your thoughts. You can comment below. What do you think Jack Sinclair is going to average this year? I'd love to know your thoughts. You can comment below. Make sure you've subscribed and got the notifications on every single day of the preseason. You've got a new episode coming from us. In 30 seconds, I've got a little clue for you about who's coming up in the 50 most relevant. But if you haven't joined our Patreon supporter group every single day, new members from the fantasy footy community are jumping in and reaping the benefits, whether it be because they've jumped in at that premium and breakout tier and they're getting these audio podcasts a day early. Maybe it's because they've jumped in on another level. They're getting access to hidden groups, additional content articles, and the opportunity to have conversations directly with members of the coaches panel to help them with their sides. If you want to join the Patreon supporter group, all the details are in the description of this episode. So who's tomorrow in the 50 most relevant? Here's a really simple clue that sounds simple, but it might be more complex than that. I named this play that's coming up next in the 50 most relevant. But I mentioned about 10 names. Jordan Dawson, Nick Dacos. Jordan Dawson, Nick Dacos. Jordan Dawson, Nick Dacos. It's neither of those two, but I named this person. Do you want to go back through and listen? Was it Steele? Was it Jordan Dawson? Was it Nick Dacos? Was it Sicily? Was it Stewart? Was Was it it Hunter Clark? Well, you did mention a Hunter Clark. Oh, geez, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Who else did we mention through this podcast? We talked about Naziah Wanganine Miller. We did him yesterday. That's a furphy. Anyway, go back and re-listen to this episode. There were 10 player names. We deliberately dropped them through there. We've mentioned this player that's coming tomorrow in today's episode. Was he there on purpose? By mistake? Or have I just made a complete mistake and got my order of the 50 most relevant wrong? You'll find out tomorrow. (laughs) 